And he said, this faith was given to you because of the justice and the fairness of Jesus Christ, our God and Savior. And so often in this day and time in which we live, one of the, one of the statements that's just reverberated over the last couple of years is, that's not fair. I want what I deserve. I am one that will very quickly tell you I don't want what I deserve. Welcome to the Family Worship Center podcast. Each week we bring you our message from our Sunday morning services at Family Worship Center in Beaumont. Well, good morning again. Glad you're here. And uh, we're going to take a look this morning at 2 Peter chapter 1. If you've got your Bibles want to turn there, they're going to have it on the screen for you. But the title of my message is Success. How do we live a successful Christian life? Probably over and over and over again in different ways, different, different ways it's been presented, but that's probably the number one question that I get as a pastor. How can I live a successful Christian life? Maybe I failed in some way. Maybe I've done this or that. How can I get back on track? And Peter, of course, here is writing to the church that was a persecuted church, a suffering church. And he shares a little bit in this letter about how we can live that life that's going to be pleasing to the Lord, pleasing to us, pleasing to those around us, and that we can truly get through this life and say, I've lived a successful Christian life. I've done everything I need to do. And so 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 1 is where we're going to begin this morning. I don't really have much hopes of finishing this message, but that's not a surprise, is it? There's just too much to talk about. Peter writes and said, this letter is from Simon Peter, a slave. Now that wouldn't, in this day and time, that's not a popular thought. But here's the thing. If you realize what Christ did for you, there's no way that you can help but say, Lord, here I am. Whatever you want from me, whatever you desire, whatever it is that you want me to be and become, I'm your slave and an apostle of Jesus Christ. He says, I'm writing to you who share this same precious faith that we have. In other words, that you're a believer, you have received Christ, you have had your sins forgiven, that you know that you have a place in heaven, that you realize what Christ has done for you, you've submitted to his lordship, and you've allowed him to come in, save you, and make you a part, a member of the kingdom of God. It is very, very often, there was a, a fellow that I used to, he was an elder in a church that I pastored, and he's long gone, he's, he's gone to be with the Lord. But he said, every born-again believer ought to have a green card in your wallet. He was wanting us to print them up for the church, and he said, every person that's a born-again believer in God ought to have a green card, just reminding us that this is not our home. We're a citizen of heaven. And he said, this faith was given to you because of the justice and the fairness of Jesus Christ, our God and Savior. And so often in this day and time in which we live, one of the, one of the statements that's just reverberated over the last couple of years is, that's not fair. I want what I deserve. I am one that will very quickly tell you I don't want what I deserve. Because what I deserve is to go to hell for eternity. 
If nothing else, just for the sake that I belong to humankind, Isaiah says this, says it this way, and it just always strikes a chord with me when I read it. He says that we have been infected with sin. How many of you have seen or, or uh, heard of one of these zombie movies, zombie on TV? I mean, that, the, a couple of years ago, that was the big thing. It was zombie everything. And why did they become zombies for the most part? Oh, they've been infected with some disease and, and it, it, they come back to life and the only thing that they want to do is chomp on somebody, eat their brains and all that kind of stuff. And then it makes them a zombie too. Well, when you look at it like this, sin was that virus. And just the fact that we were born into humankind, we became sinners. It was, it was imputed to us passed down everything that Adam did we we inherited and besides that sometimes I've heard some people say well you know I've never really done anything that would deserve hell self-righteous nonetheless but it doesn't take long to prove that I've done it a few times I'll do it again here this morning just in case there's anybody here that says oh I don't really deserve hell uh I'll just take two questions for you how many of you have ever stolen anything? And how many of you have ever lied? Oh my goodness, I think that's 100%. I didn't see anybody that did not raise their hand. And if you didn't raise your hand on the second one, you just did, so now you need to raise it. Because not only did you lie, you lied in church. So here's the deal. Just by those two questions, there's 10 commandments. And just those two knock most of us out of the running. We can't do it on our own. We, we don't deserve it. So it's the only reason that we have received salvation is because of the kindness, the goodness, the mercy, the grace, the fairness, and the righteousness of God. A gift from him to us that if we'll do what he says, then guess what? We're going we're gonna to have entry into heaven. But it goes on. And he says, may God give you more and more grace. Whoop, whoop, wait. <laughs> may God give you more and more grace and peace as you grow in the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. Did you hear what I said? By his divine power, by him, through him, Everything has been given to us that we need to live a godly life. Somebody ought to have said amen that second time. God has given us everything we need to live a godly life. Okay, thank y'all for coming. We can pray. That in itself is a big sermon. He's given us everything we need. We can't get to heaven and say, well, God, I would have lived a godly life if you just had it provided for me. I would have lived a godly life if you'd have just given me some direction. But he's already given us everything we need. And we have received all of this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. Do you realize that every promise he ever made in this word belongs to you? Belongs to me. And these are promises that enable you to share his divine nature 
and escape the world's corruption because of human desires. Realize it's always us that messes it up. In view of all this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. If you've got a King James or a new King James, this is do your diligence to respond to those promises. Supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence. And moral excellence with knowledge. And knowledge with self-control. And self-control with patient endurance. And in patient endurance with godliness. And godliness with brotherly affection. And brotherly affection with love for everybody. Not just those that look like you. Act like you. Smell like you. Love for everyone. And the more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But those who fail to develop in this way are short-sighted or blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their old sins. So dear brothers and sisters, work hard to prove Yeah, there's that nasty word, work. Work hard to prove that you're really among those that God has called and chosen. In other words, what we do, what we say ought to be reflected in what we do. Amen? Time, belief, and behavior together. Do these things and you'll never fall away. And then God will give you a grand entrance. Look at your neighbor and say, a grand entrance. How many of you want a grand entrance when you get to heaven? Three people. Thank you. Thank you for coming along on this ride this morning. I mean, here's the thing. We don't want to get to heaven. And now, get ready to make welcome the nominal believer. Amen? Nobody, nobody wants to get that. Everybody wants a grand entrance. Nobody wants to get up there and say, and now make welcome with a record of 37 years as a believer. Witness to 0.5 persons in that 37 years. Attended an average of three times a year. That's a CEO Christmas and Easter only plus one. Total lifetime giving of $101.37. Read three chapters in their Bible. And zero discipleship efforts. Make welcome John Q. Public. Nobody wants to get to heaven and get the slow clap. Welcome to heaven. The Apostle Paul, the Apostle Peter, like, ooh, man, you did good. You got here by the skin of your teeth. Here's what he says. If we'll do all these things, if we'll add to our faith the patience and endurance and godliness and, and, and brotherly love and, and love for everybody, guess what? Whenever we get to heaven, 
It's going to be a celebration. He says he's going to give us a grand entrance to heaven. I mean, it's going to be one of these. If I can get it turned back on. And now, get ready to make welcome the next believer into heaven. Amen. And the angels are going to be, they're going to be partying and it's going to be a big time. Amen. Nobody wants to get to heaven to get the slow clap. Gee, you, you did every, you, you absolutely did the least you could do to get here. Amen. Then we know it's not going to be like that. But I'm just telling you, he's, he's telling us, examine it. Look at what you're doing. See if what you're doing matches up with what Christ has done for you. He's telling us the way that we can get to heaven. So God's got a plan. And that is that we would grow, that we would mature, that we would not just get started. Some people think it's, it's I'm saved and satisfied, that there's nothing else to do, that, that that's the one and only step that we take is accepting Christ as our Lord and our Savior. And that's just the first step. So what he tells us here is all the things that we need to do is mature and grow. Start with faith. Yes, that's where we start. But it says that he's given to every person a portion of faith to be able to believe. He's given every person already the amount of faith that you need to be saved, but there is a, a, another portion of faith. It's a, it's a gift of the Spirit. It's a fruit of the Spirit. It's the, it's the things that happen as we grow closer to Him and, and as we mature in Him, then we begin to see more and more. It says, I want you to grow in grace and peace as you learn more and more and more about what He's done. That every day we find some new sparkling gem about what He has done for us. That every day we grow a little more. It's not enough just to start out. We've got to continue to grow. And see, everything in life, I think, reflects God's plan for us spiritually. Because here's the deal. In, in, in human life, it's just a reflection of our spiritual life. So we're born. In the kingdom, we're born again. But in this world, we're born and how many of you have a child or been a child? How many of you ever messed your pants when you were little? 100 percentile. And you know, I, I, I've talked about this before. I don't think there's hardly a mom out there that the first time their baby messed their diaper, it was like, this is great. <laughs> Except Angie. She didn't like it. Uh, when we got Jesse, of course, he was seven months old, and uh, he was on iron supplement. And all the moms just groaned. Because you know exactly, Cody Bell's laughing back there. You give out iron supplements to the babies, don't you? <laughs> and so, I mean, it was, it was horrible. And so, the first, first morning that we woke up, we went and got him the day before the next morning. It's early. I wake up to the sound of, uh, uh, uh. And she hollers out, you're going to have to come help me. <laughs> so the deal is, we're all glad to do that. But if 16 years later, when we're expecting them to start driving a car, 
They're still messing their pants. We got a problem here, Houston. And, and, and what happens is we don't, we don't necessarily relate that spiritually to like it is physically. Unless there's something majorly wrong, they're going to quit messing their pants. But here's the deal. Sometimes we, we remain infants spiritually. I, I've heard people say, well, I've, been a, I've got 20 years experience as a believer. No, you've got two years of experience ten times. You've been a believer for 20 years, but you've got two years of experience. And we need to apply ourselves and say, I'm going to commit myself. He says, do everything you can. Do your due diligence, if you're looking at a King James Version, to grow. And see, here's the deal. With a child, with a tree, with, with your garden, with your flowers. How many of you ladies plant flowers in the spring? And how many of you go out there and you look at your flowers and you say, oh, would you just grow up flowers? No. They do it on their own. If you provide them everything they need, if, you, if, they're, if the sun that we haven't seen much this year is shining, and, and they're getting water, and you're giving them some, some miracle grow, guess what's going to happen? As a natural progression of things, they're going to grow up. And God's already said he's provided everything we need to live that successful Christian life. Everything that we need. So his plan is that, and, and this is so simple, but yet it, 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 sometimes we forget about it. His whole plan for mankind is, and it was when he was here on this earth and is still that way, come and see. That was the byline for most of the people that came to know the Lord. Come and see the one that tells me all things, the woman at the well. Come and see the person that told me everything about my life. The, the apostles went and said, come and see. Some of them it was come and see the miracle. Some of them it was come and see the person that's telling, he's a prophet. And that's what we ought to be doing out here every day. Come and see what we're talking about. Come and see the one that forgave my sins. Come and, come and see the one that, that has come into my life and made the biggest change that's ever happened to me. And it's a natural progression of things that if we come and see that we're going to then see and believe. That we see that he's for real. That we, we see that that all the promises that he's made us are true and, and, and that all of a sudden it, it just becomes that natural progression. I came and saw and now I saw it and I believe. And then the third progression is if we believe that we're going to become what he wants us to become. He's never satisfied to leave us alone, never satisfied to leave us where we're at. He wants us to continually be growing. And Peter says it this way, I want you to grow every day in peace and grace as you increase in the knowledge of him. So the thing that we've got to do is realize that, that he has given us everything we need and that the natural progression of things is that we, we begin to grow. We begin to do what he wants us to do. So here's the deal. He's got a part... And we got a part. 
It's a little, little bit of a trick question, so bear with me. Who's responsible for your Christian life? You got one person that pointed at themselves, another person that pointed at themselves. So it's, it's all on us. <laughs> now somebody's shaking their head. I told you it's a little bit of a trick question. <laughs> Who's responsible for your Christian life? <laughs> but he's taken the responsibility. And the whole thing is, it, you can't really answer it. Because if you say, well, it's, it's, it's me, so you're going to do it all on your own with no help from anybody, even the Lord. Well, and, and then if you say, well, it's all God, my question would be, you're going to blame all this on him? <laughs> so it's a two-sided coin. It's, it's the same thing, but there's two sides to it. He's already given us everything that we need. We got to take responsibility to apply it. He's already given us all the, all the gifts of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit. Everything's there ready to ex- access by us. And yet, we've got to do something about it. And sometimes we, we have a hard time with that coin. Sometimes we, we want to blame it on him. Sometimes we want to blame it on us. And he says all of it works together for good according to his purposes. And, and what we've got to do is realize that, that we've got some things to do. He's already done us some things, and he's going to continue to do things. Here's the thing. I believe in this day and time, I believe, according to this word, that the Holy Spirit is still active. I think he's helping us every day. He has come alongside us to be our helper, our comforter, our guide, our paraclete. I didn't say parakeet. I said paraclete, and that means someone who is going to come alongside you and help you. So as the Holy Spirit comes in and gets sandwiched in between all that, God's already provided everything. We've got some responsibility in there, but in between is the Holy Spirit who's going to continually, it says, make intercession for us. If not, we get a wrong view of it. Sometimes we get the view, it's a, I've, I've, a long time ago I used this illustration. But if you want to look at it as, as a, as somebody who's out in the ocean, and we can get on a raft, and we are totally dependent on what? We can't do anything. We're just on a raft. So we're dependent on, on the water currents. We're dependent on the, on, the, on the waves. We're dependent on storms that might come up. So we're, we're totally denied any responsibility of what we do. We're just, we're just riding the raft. I'm just riding this thing wherever it goes. Okay, sirrah, sirrah. And then there's the rowboat. And that's where a lot of us get. We get in that rowboat. I've got to do this. It's up to me. Every place I go, everything I do, it's up to me. I've got to make this happen. I've got to do something to impress the Lord. I've got to do something big in the kingdom, and we wear ourselves out. So are you riding a raft this morning? You're just dependent on whatever, however the wind blows? 
Or are you trying to do it all yourself? And I think the correct view of that is that we get on a sailboat. And we furl those sails as high as they'll go. And that we, we have some say-so. We have some responsibility on steering that thing. But ultimately, it comes back to the wind of the Holy Spirit. And that is, he gives us the power to accomplish what we're supposed to accomplish. That all of a sudden, when everything's working together and we realize, hey, the wind's up and this means that this is the direction that we're headed, that we begin to, we begin to trim those sails and we begin to make the best time we can and the best out of the situation. And that, yeah, if we see something in the water that we need to steer around, then, then we can steer it a little bit. But ultimately, it is a partnership between you and God through the Holy Spirit, amen, that we began to accomplish great things for the kingdom. So we've got we've to realize that we have a part, that he has a part, and, and uh, it, it tells us that by his power that he's provided everything, this is back to verse 3, by his power he's provided everything that we need to be able to succeed in this life, to be able to live a Christian life that's pleasing to us, pleasing to him, and that we need to do our due diligence. Now that word diligence, it's in verse 5. If you would put verse 5 up there. In view of all this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. Every effort. That word in the original language, if you look up the meaning of it, it means to make haste. Got to do it. Get on it right now. It means to approach it with earnest zeal. In other words, that it's not just, oh, well, whatever, I'll do that tomorrow. To exert yourself, to put some effort into it. It means that we endeavor to persevere through all things to accomplish that goal. It means to be interested in it. In other words, mind your business. Do what you're supposed to do to put every effort into that. And so if we mind our business with God, the thing that we've got to do is begin to see he's already provided it. It's waiting there. It's a buffet that's already set. And the only thing that we got to do is come by and help our plates with whatever he has already provided to us. So my question is this. Sometimes we are lackluster in our interest of the things of God. How would you approach it if it was something you wanted to do? Some new hobby that you had come across. Some new something that you wanted to, to be a part of. I was uh, 40 years old before I ever hit a golf ball, other than a putt-putt course. And it, very few of those. I always thought... And some of you may be in this boat. I always thought golf was the most stupid game on the face of the planet. You hit a little white ball, you lose it. You go find it, you hit it again and lose it. Rinse and repeat. And so I was 40 years old. And there was a, a, a country club up there in Kentucky that was nearby that, that uh, they did a church league. And so every Monday night from Memorial Day to Labor Day, they would have this tournament among the churches. And there were probably, overall, probably close to 20 churches, about 15 that participated regularly. 
And so some of our guys participated in this. And they, come on out, Pastor. Just, if nothing else, I said, I don't golf. I don't have any clubs. I don't, I don't know what all those numbers and letters mean. All that kind of stuff. And so finally they convinced me, just come and ride, just for the fellowship. Okay, 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 okay. Told Angie, I'll do it once. Get them off my back, and that'll be it. So when I'm teed up a ball and I got out there to hit it, well, gosh, it went pretty far. It went pretty straight. Wow. And it was just like the golf bug bit. And so from then on, every one of my days off, I was was a bad golfer, still bad enough, but then I was horrible. I didn't know anything about the game. Again, I didn't know what all those letters and numbers meant on the clubs. And... uh, so I, I would go out and I would walk, and I would, I, it's 6 o'clock every morning that I was off. I would go out there, and I'd be out there at 6 a.m. because I didn't want anybody to see me golfing because that was horrible. And so I would, I would carry a pocket full of balls. If I hit a shot and it didn't do what I wanted, I would throw down another ball, and I would take another club, and I'd see if I could make it do what I wanted it to do. And I worked at that, and I worked at that. She will back me up. I worked at it. Next thing you know, there was a guy that I played golf with up there, and, and a, a, a fella told me one time, he said, all these people that are wearing you out now, once I started playing with people, he said, all these people that are wearing you out now, he said, they won't be around when you start whooping up on them. And he was right. Very few people stick around for that. But next thing you know, I'm beating this one, beating that one, beating this one. Why? Because I was diligent. I worked at it diligently. And see, here's the thing. In our Christian walk, sometimes we get beat up by some of these demons that are active on this earth as well. Sometimes situations in life come along and beat our brains out. Pick another club. Throw down another ball. Hit it one more time. As we continue to grow. Now, we're going to talk about next week. We're going to kind of finish it up. We're going to go down a little different street with it and talk about all the things that he tells us to add to our faith and how, how we do that. But here's the thing. I, 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 the devil works. If, if no other way, he'll try, he'll try to push you backwards. If he can't push you backwards, he'll push you forward. And one of the things that I sense that has been prevalent in the last little bit as I talk to so many discouraged believers I talk to so many people that literally life tried to beat their brains out with the devil's help and they're discouraged and they're ready to give up ready to throw in the towel ready to call it quits and here's the thing we're working towards something folks I've said it probably a thousand times. This life is not all there is. Hallelujah. This is not all there is. Amen. I don't know about you. I can get happy on that one thought. I mean, sometimes I get discouraged. Sometimes I start looking at the things that are going on around. And I I say, God, what is the matter? It just seems like everything's falling apart. But then I think about it. Hallelujah. (laughs) Woo. This ain't all there is. He's, he's got a grand entrance waiting on you and waiting on me 
whenever we get there, that it is going to be some kind of hallelujah holdout. Amen. But we got to make it through. Just keep on hitting. Keep on, keep on trying. It might not have done what you wanted to this time. Try a different route. Do something a little different. Apply something different to that situation. Every head bowed. Every eye closed.